No, we have we got a new sound desk end of last year. We're still actually trying to figure it all out, to be honest. So it's a, it's a great thing to have. But this morning, I want to share with us as a church what I feel God is saying to us for this year. And it's one word. It is the word grow. Okay? If you can read, you can read the word grow. I'll try and unpack that this morning. God is wanting us to grow in our faith, to grow in our depth of our understanding, grow in our intimacy with Him, in our relationship with Him, grow in our understanding of Scripture and of worship, of the Bible, growing in our gifting and being able to fulfill our purpose, growing in our capacity, growing in His love, working out through us for other people, having a greater love for others. When you grow, things that used to be difficult or impossible become easy. Have you noticed that? My youngest kid, or our youngest kid, is three years old. When he was two a year ago, he tried to put his school backpack on like his big siblings, but he couldn't. One year later, he can now put it on. Suddenly, something that was difficult or impossible, now that he's grown one year on, has become easy for him. Apply that to your faith. What is difficult for you now? God is saying grow. It can become easier. It can become possible. Also, when we grow, new opportunities open up. Ethan, our oldest, he's in grade three. We have one of those uh, charts on the wall that we measure our kids and how tall they are. We're not very good at recording it, but he measured himself a few weeks ago. He's just hit 1.3 meters. Now, if you're a thrill seeker, that's an important height. In order to go on the rides at Gold Reef City, you need to be 1.3 meters. Ethan's been measuring himself for months, and you might have noticed his hair's got bigger because he's trying to like get that mark higher. When we grow, more opportunities open to us. Apply that to your faith. God is saying to us, grow. I have three points this morning. The first one is this. You have to stay with me. It's a little bit higher grade for a Sunday. The future you needs the current you to grow. It's the first point. The future you needs the current you to grow. Have you ever watched a movie where there's like time traveling involved? Where they come back from the future into the present and like the main actor or actress sees themselves but they can't let the, the present self see the future self because then time freaks out and the world explodes. You know those kind of, you can't wrap your head around it but you know they shouldn't see, you shouldn't see yourself from before or however it goes. You've seen those movies, eh? They're quite cool. Or maybe you've, you've reflected at some point in your life and you thought, you know what, I would love to go back in time five years or ten years and have a good chat to myself and give myself some advice. That decision you're about to make, don't do that. <laughs> have you ever wanted to go back and tell yourself something like that? Yo, me too. You're going to need this for the future, you might say to yourself. Leave yourself a little multi-tool for when your car breaks down or whatever. Or you should stop smoking sooner, your future self might say. 
Or they might say, well, actually, you need to save more money because there's a pandemic coming. <laughs> if only we all knew before that time, hey? We can't become what God wants us to be if we remain as we are. Let me say that again. We can't become what God wants us to be if we remain as we are. In other words, if your future self came back to you today, they would say, you don't know what the future's like. You can't be the same. Make sure you grow. You're going to need it in the future, your future self might say. God has in mind a goal, a purpose, a destiny for every one of us. And God can picture it perfectly. He can visualize it. It's an incredible design. He's the one who designed everything. And it looks like this for your life and my life. It's the character of God, God's very character, expressed through my and your unique personality, influencing other people, and leaving the world in a better place. That's God's generic plan, okay? That His character has worked out through us, but we're all different. We have a unique personality, and it influences other people. And so the future you and the future me should look and sound different to how we do today. Would you agree? Yeah, because none of us is a finished product. Anyone want to claim that they're a finished product? <laughs> no, no, God's still got some work to do. A lot of work for most of us, right? I mean, not for my wife, but for the rest of us. You know, God's got a lot of work to do. The fact is that God loves us too much to leave us the way we are. Fact. Some of you might disagree. Actually, you know what, Glendon, when God gets involved in my life, it's chaos. It's uncomfortable. He asks me to change things or do other things. If God was loving, he would leave me alone. No. God loves us so much. He knows what we're becoming because he designed it. And he says, this is not the finished state. You've got to grow. The Bible uses different pictures, different metaphors to describe our lives. One of them is like a house that's under destruction, construction. <laughs> Put up the first picture, please. There's our house that's under construction. It's not yet finished. You can see some of the shapes and the features. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames." So Paul is saying our choices, how we live every day, how we speak, our actions, our decisions, all of those are like building the house of my life. And he says, build with care. Be careful how you build because you might have the wrong materials. It's easy to gather wood and hay and straw 
Easy to build with them, but they don't last as long as gold, silver, and costly stones. Also, if you build, and I'm not a builder, but I've seen building happen, if you might have all the right bricks, but if you put them not in the right orientation, you're going to have a wall that's going to collapse. So how you build and what we build with is really important because our lives are being built every day. Bricks are being added. And Paul says, be careful how you build. You're growing, you're changing, you're developing, you're not yet finished. And God will examine our lives, Paul says. And in this metaphor, this picture, it's like God takes a flamethrower to the house of my life. And if it burns up and there's a pile of ashes, well, sure, we haven't lived very well on this earth. And that's just a picture. I don't think God's literally going to torch our house. I think it's a metaphor. But God examines how we live. Here are some examples of some badly built houses. Can you put the first badly built house picture up? Would you want to live in that? Now, the <laughs> man. <laughs> now, our physical house might be fine, but our lives before God, our faith and how that works out might look like that. Even though our physical house, everything seems to be in order on the outside, but actually if God had to look at the spiritual part of our life, it might look like that. What about the next house? <laughs> like, I mean, you've, that's hard to live there. It's, it's, it's a problem, yeah. It's a big problem. Part of why God is working in our lives to help us grow is because every day we are making choices. We are choosing one thing over another thing. And every day there's like more bricks being added. And God knows that if he didn't help us, the house could look like that. Another reason why he's at work in our lives is because he knows we're still in process. You can flip back to the first picture of the house off or the house under construction. He knows this is not the finished state for you and I. There's more to come, and he knows we're not yet completed. You can't easily hold a party there, especially in our current summer that seems to be raining most days of the week. Now, I'm aware that this picture or this metaphor of the house, it's, it's not a very good one because God doesn't need to wait until we're the finished product before he can use us. In his grace and love, he can actually use us on the journey. So this is not the best example, so don't take it too far. Because God can and does use us even though we're far from being perfect. All right? But God knows there's more to come. And so he gets involved. He helps us to grow. Jesus told a parable. He said, don't build your house on the sand, but build it on the rock. Jesus is the rock. He's the foundation. And when we get saved, when we put our faith in Jesus, we start to dig foundations. And they're important, these foundations of our faith, because the size and the strength of the foundations determine the house we can build. Have a look at this next picture. There's a small house and a big house. The only difference between those two is not how good the builder was or how great the architect was or how much building material was available or the amount of money. The only difference is the foundation at the start. How we understand the gospel, 
the character of God, His goodness, His love, His mercy, the depth of our understanding of Scripture and God's plan for us, the fact that it's a relationship, not a religion. It's not about performance. It's about friendship with God. The deeper we understand our faith, the bigger our foundations are, the bigger the house that we can build. And I want to say, if your understanding or if my understanding of God, of the Scriptures, is small, if we've never taken time to study topics in the Bible and grow our faith in that way, we've, we've got a small foundation and the house that can be built is going to be a small one. That's just the reality. No judgment, that's just the reality because of the foundation. And if you mix other ingredients into concrete. You might have a big foundation, but you mix the wrong ingredients in and it gets weaker. Am I right? Not as strong. When we mix other philosophies and worldly ideas into our faith, new age stuff, secular philosophy, spiritual sounding mantras, they sound spiritual, but they're not in the Bible. When we add things to our faith, it can weaken the foundation. We've got to be careful about our foundation. And I feel like for some of us this year, God's wanting to grow our foundations. We have a chance to strengthen them. You might have served God for six months or 20 years. Any investment you put in your foundations will benefit you the rest of your life. Guaranteed. Even if you think you know it all. You've been saved 40 years. You've read the Bible 100 times. If you strengthen your foundations, your future self will say thank you. That's the first point. The second point, this is my favorite point. God makes us grow. God makes us grow. Another metaphor or picture the Bible uses for us as individuals and believers growing is a picture of seeds that are germinating or plants that are growing. Jesus told a parable about a farmer. It's a picture of God. And he, he scattered seed everywhere. Some seed landed on the path. Some on the rocky ground. Some on the weed ground. Weed infested ground. Some on fertile soil. And the seed that landed on the path was snatched away by the birds. It's the picture of the devil stealing or trying to steal God's word. Some seed landed on the rocky ground. And it grew up quickly. But when the sun came out, when testing came, it died. It didn't have a deep root. Other seed fell on the ground with weeds. It grew up, but the weeds choked the life. And Jesus says the worries and cares of this world can choke out our faith. And then the seed that landed in the fertile ground that yielded a harvest. It's a picture of, of how we grow. Paul had a similar kind of picture. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. He says about the church in Corinth, he says, I planted the seed... Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything really, but only God who makes things grow. Friends, God makes us grow. A few other scriptures, Paul says in Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who is at work in you. To will and to act according to his purpose. Paul says in another letter, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. 
God is at work. He's the one primarily who makes us grow. And isn't that a relief? That my growth and your growth is not only up to you or I. Praise God that He's not distant watching us trying to figure it all out ourselves. Growth is hardwired into God's design. You know that it's normal for a plant to grow. It's normal for a seed, if you add water and ground soil, it's normal for it to germinate. It's normal. It's part of God's design. And in you and I, God has hardwired into our design, growth is normal. In fact, growth is expected. My three-year-old, Finley, it's normal and good, praise God that it happens soon, for him to be able to brush his teeth on his own. I expect my kids to learn how to brush their teeth. Now, we're two-thirds of the way there with the kids, one to go. But it's normal. It's expected. Growth is normal and expected for the children of God. He's designed us like that. Amen? You might look at your faith over the last six months or three years or whatever's happened in life. You might think, actually, I haven't grown very much. Don't feel condemned. God would encourage you today. I'm at work in you. I have started a good work. I'm going to carry it on to completion. You will see growth this year. Be encouraged. God makes us grow. My last point this morning is this. Growth is optional. Growth is optional. Yes, God makes me grow, but I also have a part to play in my growth. You see, if we think of the picture of seeds again, it's possible for seeds, given the most um, conducive or perfect conditions, for them not to germinate. I studied plant sciences at university, so I know this. We learned this in third year physiology. Some plants, the seeds, the coat, the outside layer, is impermeable. Water doesn't come into the seed. So you can plant it in the ground, you can water it, but it doesn't take up the water. It just sits there. It needs something to break that seed coat. Other plants, the seed coat can allow water in, but that coat is a physical barrier. It stops the seed expanding and the root coming out. That's how germination happens. It's possible, friends, for you and I to stop the work of God in our lives because our hearts have grown hard, because we're not humble, because we're not teachable, because we think we know better than God. You might say, oh, I'd never have that thought, Glendon, never. But when was the last time we made a major decision and didn't pray about it? Okay, actually, I think I know more than God. We can, we're the only ones who can stop the work of God in our lives. The devil can't stop God working in your life. Only you can. And if our hearts are hard, if we're disobedient, whatever the thing is, we can stop God working in our lives. But when we yield, when we surrender, when we choose to follow Him and obey Him, it's like these things that were holding us back are broken. And water, the Spirit can come in and bring life and growth. Isaiah 54, verse 2 and 3 says this, Enlarge the sight of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not hold back. Lengthen your ropes and drive your stakes deep. 
For you will spread out to the right and the left. Your descendants will dispossess the nations and inhabit the desolate cities. Notice how God is saying to Israel, you enlarge your tent. Enlarge is another word for grow. You stretch wide your curtains. That's another word for grow. You lengthen your cords. It's another word for grow. You drive in the stakes deeper. Get your foundations deeper. Notice how there's a part that you and I have to play. God's not going to stretch them out for us. Oh, he'll provide situations to stretch us. Don't worry. (laughs) Happens every week, doesn't it? (laughs) Some chuckles going around the room here. (laughs) But he says, you strengthen your cords. You lengthen them. There's a part that you and I have to play. Now, what, what happens if God says to us individually and us as a church, grow, lengthen, strengthen, enlarge, stretch out? What if God says that amazing thing to us for this year and we choose not to? What happens? Well, what happens is this. The increase that God wanted to bring cannot be accommodated by my capacity. Let me use an example here. Who likes muffins? Four fresh cappuccino flavored muffins. Sweet treats. They're fresh. Expiry date is a week to go. That's good, right? I'm going to just take one out. You don't want a muffin? I'll throw at the back. <laughs> the hands went up quick as dear. This is a muffin. They're tasty. Um, how, this is a cappuccino one. How many people can this feed? Be honest. Do you know who invented muffins? Any ideas who invented muffins? The muffin man in Drury Lane. Here's a muffin holder. No, accountants invented muffins because there was an accountant and he had a family and it was birthday time and there was a normal cake and he cut it up, and he was distressed that they weren't all equal. And so, <laughs> accountants, this is my theory, right? My theory. Accountants invented muffins, right, to make it all equal. Feeds one person. Now, what if this cupcake represented our spiritual life? Meal for one. I'm feeding myself. That's great. God expects us to grow and feed ourselves. No problem. But what if the future you, what if God has a plan for you that he wants his life and his love and his grace to flow through you and to touch other people's lives. And that's true for all of us. God wants to expand our impact. Amen? God wants to work in us and then work through us. So if this, was, this represented our spiritual life, this is okay for now, but God's plan is for something bigger, all right, to feed more than just yourself. As tasty and wonderful as muffins are, they really are quite great things. Um, but imagine, imagine you held a dinner party at your house, and you were the host. Seven or eight of your friends came, and you served one of these for everyone. You either must have very understanding friends, or they're going to have very upset friends very quickly. Am I right? This can't feed a family or a party. It just can't, let's be honest. As amazing as... This cappuccino muffin is. 
God might want you to become a loaf of bread, to feed a whole lot more. You're welcome to claim this afterwards. I'm not going to walk down again. But God's plan is for you to feed more with your faith. Now, what happens if God says to you, grow? This is all of us today. God says, grow. Let's just take this out here before I get tempted. This is our spiritual life, a muffin size. God says, grow. God says, lengthen your cords. And you say, no. No, thanks. I'm okay. Muffins are great. I love it. Why do I need to feed more than myself? What happens when we say to God, no, I don't want to grow? Well, the increase that God wants to bring can't be accommodated by my capacity. So I attempted to make some bread dough this morning. It hasn't risen. <laughs> it claimed to be self-raising flour on the packet. And I googled it, said, don't add yeast also to self-raising flour because then it's a disaster. But imagine God wanted this for your life. Increase, abundance, life, impact, adventure, dot, dot, dot. And God said, this is coming down the line. I know what's coming. I've designed your future. And we hold on to this. Is God going to? No. And even if he does, how much can you really access? Only what is in here. Friends, if you eat bread this year or you see a muffin, remember this. God is wanting to bring increase. But he's saying grow. Because what I have for you in the future, you can't even imagine. But you need to start growing now because this is, this is going to get bigger and bigger the more we grow. So how do we grow? Here's some advice from Paul. I'm going to read some of Paul's, um, out of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he wrote some things to this young leader, and then I'll bring four points with how we can grow in our faith. Paul says to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and purity. Devote yourself to the reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given, through you, given you through prophecy when the elders laid their hands on you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you'll save yourself and your hearers. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. So here are four kind of action points for us. How can we keep growing from Paul's advice? And there are hundreds of one-liners that Paul wrote in the Bible. These are just a snippet of them. Firstly, watch your life and doctrine closely. Make sure your life and how you're living and how you're deciding, making your decisions, lines up with God's Word. Watch it closely. Don't let any other things weaken the cement or the foundations. Secondly, don't neglect your gift. Keep using it. Hone it. Grow it. Put it into action. Keep it active. Develop it. Fan it into flame. It's my responsibility to keep the fire going. God's given all of us gifts. It's your responsibility to grow your gifts. 
He says, be diligent, persevere, and then your growth will be evident to all. Isn't it amazing when someone says to us, wow, you've grown in your faith since I last saw you. How cool a compliment is that? But you know what happens and why Paul says be diligent and persevere is because we have little spurts of momentum. Beginning of the year, we're fresh from a break. Oh, we're excited for church and what God has. Yo, and we in church, we're in life group, we're going for it. Or maybe uh, later in the year, you're at a worship night and God touches you or God speaks to you somehow. And we have these spurts of momentum, don't we, throughout the year. They keep us going. Those are good. We must have them. But Paul's saying you need to persevere even when that enthusiasm runs out. We've got to have a conviction. I'm convinced I'm going to keep following God whether I feel lots of momentum or not. There's a perseverance. And your future self would say, keep going in the difficult times. Keep going when it gets tough. It's very easy just to tap out and give up. He says, God, the good deposit, protect it. That treasure that's been given to you, your salvation, by putting your faith in Jesus, guard it, he says, protect it. Why does it need guarding? Can't be stolen, right? But it needs guarding because we often, as we go through life, day to day, week after week, we lose the wonder and the awe of serving God. We lose the wonder and the amazingness of being a child of God. We lose the joy of our salvation, to use David's words. And when our faith becomes something common, we treat it like every day, we should have access to our faith every day, I'm not saying regular, but when it becomes common, it's like we start to live for ourselves. And so he says, guard the good deposit. So friends, growth is optional. You and I, we're responsible for our own growth. Not your spouse, not T.D. Jakes, not Joyce Meyer or Stephen Furtick or whatever other U.S. church you follow. Can I say, this church is not responsible for your growth. You are. This church is going to provide opportunities for you to grow. But it's optional. Have a look at that calendar. Can I borrow yours, Roman? If you've got a calendar on the way in, if you didn't get one, please pick one up. This is what, as elders, we feel God wants us to be involved with this year. And you'll see lots of things, well, not too many things throughout the year. 19th of February, men's breakfast with Bruce McAlpine. I'm not going to go through all of these things. Worship night in March and in June and in October. We're having Zach and Ilana Lombard in April, prophetic training, how we can grow in our ability to hear God. It's going to be an amazing weekend. In June, we've got marriage enrichment over two nights with Ed and Heidi. In July, Mark and Justine will be up from Durban for apostolic inputs. You can go through them. But one I want to highlight as I end starts on the 6th of February, and it's a series that we're going to be doing across the whole church. I wonder if you could play that video, guys. Your superpowers are the things you do best with the least amount of effort. They're not in the water, they're not on a mountaintop. 
They're not hidden under a rock. These gifts are instilled in you at birth by a gifted creator. If you can identify these superpowers, they are the gifts that will change the world. Join us to discover yours. Okay, so 6th of February, we are starting a new series called Gifted. And it's a church-wide series and different to anything we've done for these reasons. One, the kids have a modified kids version. It's discover your superpower. The kids are going to love it. We have the curriculum. All of this stuff has come from a church in Hillcrest called City Hill Church. Uh, They provided these resources. And what they found, that when the whole church journeys together, getting deeper on a topic, it's like they grow in their faith. So there's a kid's curriculum, there are six Sunday messages, there are these booklets which you'll all get on the 6th of February if you come to church. It's an A4 book, it's full of uh, writing (laughs) and some pictures. Amazing, hey? Writing and pictures. There's place to write notes for all six Sunday sermons. This is a 40-day devotional taking the sermon and getting deeper on those gifts for that week. There are life group notes that you need to take with you to life group because there's a life group video to help you grow even deeper and have a discussion amongst yourselves on that topic. So for six weeks, we as a whole church are going to journey together, God, how have you gifted us? How have you wired us? It's going to be incredible. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Taryn Williams wrote the content. He's a pastor in Cape Town. And what we're going to be trusting is not just for us to grow in our gifts and to get really deep, but for actually God to use us and invite other people to come, people who might not be at church, people who might not even have faith. But this is the concept. If you believe in a God, and most people believe in a God, right, even if it's not yet Jesus, But God's gifted me. He's put talents inside me. I know that. Everyone you speak to would probably agree to that. God has given me some giftings. Well, come and discover them with us as a church. Just come to six weeks. It's not hard. So how can you and I get involved? Well, firstly, join a group. If you're not in a life group, come and chat to us after the meeting. You want to get into one before we get started in February. Maybe you want to join a brand new group. We are going to be starting two or three brand new groups that are just going to run for these six weeks in February into the middle of March. You might say, my life is too busy. I can't join a life group every week for the year. But you know what? I can carve out time and be there for six weeks. If that's what your life looks like, join one of those groups that are just going to meet for six weeks. The other thing you can do, secondly, is you can start a group. You might have two or three friends that don't really go to church, but you've chatted about your faith, and you're looking for a way to connect your faith with your friendships. We will train you. We will give you a leader's manual. You will have this in advance to lead a group, a discussion group, just for six weeks. Pray about that. Maybe that's how God wants to grow you this year by stepping out and leading something, even if it's just for six weeks. Come and chat to us. We're going to be doing the training before the groups start in February. And then thirdly, how we can be involved, join us in praying 
for this series. Praying from now until right the end of the series. What are we going to do on the 2nd of February, the Wednesday before the series starts on the Sunday the 6th? That Wednesday, we're going to have a day of prayer and fasting. We're going to gather here. We're going to pray and trust God for us to grow as we journey together, but for God to save people as well. Amen? I'm so excited. I've seen some of this material. It is absolutely amazing. Growth is optional, friends. You can choose not to come every Sunday. You can choose to do one devotion out of the whole 40. But I'm telling you now, and you look at this calendar, it's optional. You don't have to come to anything. But God wants you to grow. And God will work with you. Sometimes all that's needed for our faith to grow is just for us to show up. <laughs> Surprising thought, eh? Let me end with what I started with, and I believe this to be prophetic for our church in this year. As we grow, things that were impossible, things that were difficult, are going to become easy. I want to prophesy over all of us this morning that fact. As we grow, life not going to get easier, <laughs> but the stuff that we struggled with, we're going to overcome. I want to prophesy as we grow, God is going to open up more opportunities for His gospel, for the kingdom to advance, for you and I to grow even more. Can we stand, close our eyes as I pray for us? Psalm 127, verse 1 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, its labors labor in vain. And Father, at the start of this year, as we hear you speaking this word grow over us, into us, through us, Father, we know unless the Lord builds this house, this house of my life, of your life, unless the Lord builds the house, we are going to be laboring in vain. And Father, we haven't chosen this calendar and these events randomly. We're trusting, Lord, that you are building this house of Hope City Church. But God, would you take preeminence? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you cause us to grow? Father, I pray we look back at the end of this year or in two years or five years' time or in three months' time and we can see God has made us grow. Thank you, Lord, for the incredible work you have already done. But we know it's just the start. There's so much more to come. You're not finished with us. The house is still growing. The foundations can get bigger. So, Father, I pray, would we just catch something of your heart for this year that we can't become what you want us to be if we stay as we are. God, would you grow us, enlarge us, stretch us, strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Please grab a calendar on your way out. The guys, they're not going to share. Muffins are one-man meal. We said that earlier, right? If you'd like some bread or some dough, please come and help yourself, honestly. What kind of dough am I offering? Well, <laughs> but guys, I'm so excited for this year, oh, really. 
it's optional for all of you. I'm going to be here for as much of it as I can be. Amen. Amen. If you'd like prayer for anything, please come down to the front. We'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, have an amazing week. If you visited with us, please fill out that visitor's card. You can just leave it on your chair. And have an amazing week. Be blessed.